0: Welcome to the CKNW Weekend Morning Show Podcast. I'm your Saturday host, Sterling Fox, and today, Bob Chamberlain, chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance, has a fish farms update after speaking with the new fisheries minister. Daryl Bricker, CEO of Ipsos, has details of their newest poll, which sees some big changes in public opinion. And columnist Terry Glavin takes a long look at the protests and says, everybody needs to calm down. So. Let's get started. Mighty nice to have you with us this Saturday morning. It's a busy one, and it's time to take a moment and get a salmon update. Our first conversation of this new year with Chief Bob Chamberlain, the chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance. Always a pleasure to have Bob on the show. Good morning, Mr. Chamberlain. Welcome back.
1: Well, good morning, Sterling. Thank you for having
0: me. It's good to have you, Bob. We have a new minister, a British Columbia minister in Joyce Murray from Vancouver Quadra. Uh, the government, and you and I have talked about this a couple of times, uh, the, the new minister reiterating the, uh, the, ger- the current government's plan to transition from open net Pen salmon farming in BC waters by 2025. The new minister, following uh, Bernadette Jordan, her predecessor from Nova Scotia, and maintaining the commitment. So there's the there's there are the words, Bob. How about deeds? Anything from the new minister in terms of action yet that uh, leads you to believe she means what she says?
1: well the the conversations I've had with the new Minister confirm what uh, you just stated that her commitment to transition the farms from the ocean is real. Um, I have chosen so far to believe the words and the commitments. Uh, certainly, the support for this decision is very um, is very broad and deep across British Columbia from British Columbians, but as well as First Nations. so mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe it's the appropriate step. Uh, In order to safeguard wild salmon, which, of course, we all know too well, have returned to rivers in historic lows, which I know will only uh, is going to get worse before it gets better. Agreed.
0: So, Bob, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, those numbers, and and also I'd like to talk a little bit about the current uh, case before the courts with some of the uh, salmon farming uh, companies uh, looking to uh, looking for exceptions. One might say, flesh that out for us, and what are they up to?
1: Well, you know, any industry that's facing fundamental changes like what's occurring in British Columbia uh, will exert. Uh, every pressure that they can to sustain what they think is is an acceptable form of business, of course, focusing on employment. But right. uh, when you consider the recent science that has come out about disease and pathogen shed from fish farms, and of course, being located on, on virtually every migratory route for major river systems from the Fraser and up the coast, uh, it's just a, a no-win situation for wild salmon. And the government is on the right track in terms of looking to safeguard. But it's time now for the federal and provincial governments to move uh, towards substantial and consistent and predictable resourcing for the rehabilitation of all aspects of the salmon's life.
0: Bob, is this, is this a case of divide and conquer, if you will? Are some of these uh, farming, fish farming companies uh, doing deals or trying to do deals with First Nations groups vis-a-vis employment possibilities and realities, uh, 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 again, in a divide and conquer approach?
1: Well, it's a, <clears throat> definitely a tried and true approach from industry. and, and uh, But when you, when you look at the value, That it brings in comparison to the overall value of healthy and abundant wild salmon stocks, it pales in comparison. It's not about just employment, it's about the environment, it's about the wildlife, it's about the other aspects of employment that British Columbia was built upon in terms of healthy and abundant wild salmon stocks. And I think now uh, with the federal and provincial governments looking at their crisis response to things such as flooding and wildfires. Um, There's a, a path forward where we can establish a restorative economy and employment across the province, which will benefit the environment and to be able to advance things like reconciliation, not just at a government level, but at a societal, regional and local level.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, Bob, uh, this is kind of a shot in the dark question, but you said you've been speaking with Minister Murray since she's uh, been appointed fisheries and oceans. So in your conversations, this has been a story that we've been following on the radio here. You perhaps you've even heard us. Um, we're, We're now learning about the Alaska fishery interdicting what are referred to as BC salmon before they have a chance to return to the rivers from which they, where they, where, where they came, where they're going home to spawn and they're being interdicted out at sea by the Alaska fishery. Does the minister have any, first of all, understanding of what's going on and any ability to interrupt that?
1: Well, I've not spoken to the minister about that specific uh, impact to, to BC's wild salmon. But I'm aware that uh, the First Nations of the Skeena River, uh, yep. the Tilcoteen Nation, have come out publicly having, uh, expressing grave concern. And the problem or issue that I have from a First Nation Wild Salmon Alliance perspective is that First Nations are under the umbrella of Canada at those kinds of discussions. And so whatever trade-offs may be happening, and I'm quite sure we're all aware of different trade-offs made at the highest level internationally, My concern is that First Nation rights, which are found protected in the Constitution, are not adequately being spoken to by First Nations. Whereas if you look at Washington State, the Washington State tribes sit as equal to the Washington government in those discussions. Uh So I think it's time that we look at where is it that First Nations represent their rights at every level and not have Canada... Uh, make the colonial decision of no, you'll sit underneath our umbrella rather than recognizing that uh, First Nations have a very clear right to salmon for food security, culture, traditions, and so on, and let them have the appropriate voice to advance at international stages.
0: Yeah, and Bob, uh, final question to you, and it's great to have you back as always. How likely is that going forward to see a seat at the table specifically dedicated to that?
1: Well, I believe it it comes down to how meaningful is the government's commitment to the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, because in there, there is many sections that give uh, appropriate space for First Nations to speak for decisions about things like food security and so on. But I think, you know, at this point now, we have to look not only at protection of wild salmon that are returning, returning, sorry, but to really look at and build upon what Premier Horgan's government has done by stepping up and providing a, some resources for the BC Salmon Restoration Innovation Fund. But it's time that we have a very large, hopefully once in a lifetime investment where we can have predictable rehabilitation for the next 10 years. Mm hmm.
0: Bob, we wish you good luck in in, in getting that organized, and we always are very grateful for the few moments we get with you to keep us posted on the First Nations perspective on the salmon fishery, still a vital part of the B.C. economy. Thanks very much, Bob.
1: Thank you. Have a great morning.
0: An Ipsos poll published the other day and conducted exclusively for Global News shows that nearly 46% of Canadians say they may not agree with everything the trucker convoy says or does, but the frustration of protesters is legitimate and worthy of sympathy. That's sympathy, rather. That's 46%, and that number rises to 61% among Canadians aged 18 to 34. There's a lot of information to unpack here, and we're very fortunate to have Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, join us from Toronto to uh, to, to do that with this poll. Daryl, good morning. Welcome back. Good to have you with us.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, Sterling. It's uh, really nice to be talking to you again.
0: Well, this is an important poll, Daryl. This is this is a very volatile weekend right across the country. So let's unpack the numbers, please, because uh, I think it's it's important to distinguish between sympathy for the cause, but um, perhaps not so much with the tactics.
2: Yeah, and that's what we're really seeing here. What the what this protest has done, and I wouldn't even specifically say it's the you know the individuals in the protests or the tactics that they've chosen, but that. That level of frustration that it seems to be emanating is something that's resonating with a bigger population out there in Canada. So yep. a- around half of us are saying, you know what, I'm frustrated too.
0: And uh, thus, thus the sympathy factor that is again, regardless of of the individuals or the the uh, the manifesto that they brought along with them, the, uh, those those specifics don't seem to matter in terms of the tone that they have struck. Correct.
2: Exactly. The deeper that you go into it, the more likely that you'll find that people are less supportive of what's going on. So, for example, when we uh, mentioned uh, some of the, uh, uh, I guess, objectionable things that people have been saying uh, directly from the protests that relate to, to things, for example, like intolerance. That's when you see the numbers drop to, you know, half of what we're talking about right now. So down right. into the, you know, the, the low to mid-20s. So it's not, it's not the tactics, it's not, you know, the detailed messages it's that just general sense of frustration that they've connected with.
0: And what about the other side of that coin, Daryl? If you could, I, I'm not sure about this. Did you ask people in the survey, in terms of their degrees of support for the truckers, the convoys, and the message, about, their, uh, about the government's response, and, and, and or perhaps lack thereof? What did they have to say?
2: Well, the most specific thing that we asked on, on, on the survey about government response was whether or not the Prime Minister should be talking to the truckers, because his position is, I'm not going to talk to them. Uh, 53% of Canadians agree with him, but that means that 47% of Canadians don't. So in just about every question that we get into on whether you're you're aligned with what the truckers are doing versus not aligned, it's usually about 60-40. But anything that uh, doesn't suggest that there uh, is an opportunity here for maybe some sort of, I don't want to say negotiation, but some sort of understanding Right. Um, that's when numbers get closer to 50 50. So people aren't in that, you know, let's get tough type mode right now. The more in the I want to understand better what's going on. And I think there needs to be more of a conversation, more of a discussion here, because I kind of sympathize with the, the motivations behind this. But, sure. you know, civic disorder and that kind of thing never goes down well with Canadians.
0: But well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's what we're well, that's where we're at this morning. And in terms of the let's get tough, aspect of it you mentioned daryl uh you see the ford government and you're in toronto uh down the road there at uh, the uh, the ambassador bridge between windsor and detroit you're see we're starting to see uh movement and we're starting to see that get tough uh, flexing of some uh, uh, enforcement muscle what's the se- sim- the the sentiment of canadians with regard to that
2: well i think enforcing the law um, and, you know, doing what uh, Premier Ford has done and, you know, issuing tickets and saying to people, look, you know, disorder can't go on is generally acceptable to Canadians. And, and right. typically that's what we see in these types of protests. Like, it, it seems like this is unprecedented, but we've been through these things all the way back to Oka and even, you know, before that. So people like to see some sort of pressure put on these uh, situations, but they don't want to see violence. And, you know, so that's when I, when I hear people saying, you know, send in the army or do these. We're not there. Right. <laughs> the Canadian public's not there yet. I mean, they do believe that just enforcing the law and, uh, and, um, um, and police acting as police should act should be enough. But right. we'll see where it goes. Based on what I'm seeing this morning on you know, various media, it seems like things are starting to break up. Maybe there's going to be a core that's left at the end, but it's not going to be the protest that was, was, was there even you know, as late as last night. So we'll see where it goes through the day. But uh,
0: yeah.
2: right now, Canadians, I, I think the, the, the way that they would look at it is restoring some, some form of order, but also being sympathetic to the motivations that drove what, what's going on.
0: Well, I would agree and did you get any uh, uh, information or, or feedback regarding specifically Daryl the length of the protest in Ottawa I mean first of all this wasn't exactly a surprise uh, issue people knew it was coming a week in advance and it's been there now for a couple of weeks so now were several weeks into all of this and precious little has been done in Ottawa did you get into that with your uh, with your polling questions
2: uh no we didn't we didn't talk specifically about that. And I actually think that there's a separation between what's happening in Ottawa and what's happening at places like the Ambassador Bridge or other choke points that go Coots over the... or
0: whatever, right.
2: Yeah, or, where there's a, there's a something that affects um, Canada's uh, supply chain and it affects uh, our trade and, and, you know, people are getting laid off as a result of it. That kind of thing. There's one thing associated with that. And then looking at what's going on in downtown Ottawa, where uh, it's terrible for the local residents, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is really being affected. So I think they're kind of separating in their minds those two sorts of things. And uh, as a result of that, um, some progress on what's happening uh, on, the, uh, on the, the various crossing points is probably right. going to be greeted with, uh, um, I would say, support by the Canadian population, even if, uh, particularly if there is no violence that's associated with it. But the uh, problem in Ottawa is one that appears to be ongoing and is sticking specifically to the Prime Minister.
0: Exactly. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit of if we can, because I mentioned it at the beginning of the conversation, Daryl. Uh, there's this 46 percent of Canadians who uh, who are sympathetic with the the tone of, of the of the protest, not necessarily the the strategy and the tactics, but that number actually goes up into the low 60s when you talk about younger Canadians. Talk to us about various demographic
2: support. Yeah. So one of the things that's surprising on this is, of course, you get the normal geographic. Distribution of a supporter or opposition with anything that has to do with the federal government, Uh, and you get uh, uh, you know the partisan types of distributions. But what was surprising in this survey was that you got two things that really popped up that underscore the difference between how people are experiencing what's what's, this pandemic. One of them is younger people who we've seen all the way through the course of this who are the most upset about the, the fact that their lives have been put on hold. Mm-hmm. by the situation and also people who are less affluent so people who are earning lower incomes or are lower income individuals they're the ones who are most supportive of what the truckers are doing so there's a class element here that you don't typically see on a lot of political issues in canada
0: interesting those who are most likely to have been adversely affected for now two years and counting would be perhaps among the most uh, strident in this uh, protest
2: well, I think one of the, the lines of this whole thing that people historians are going back and quoting was the, uh, the Liberal Member of Parliament. He said, you know, not everybody can get through this uh, working from their cottage on an iMac.
0: Interesting and stuff.
2: So it's those other pe- the people who aren't able to do that that are the ones that are more aligned with what the, what the truckers are talking about. Again, as I said before, not specifically about the tactics, not about the people who are making, or creating the, the chaos and the, and the mayhem related to uh, uh, um, the, the various places where this has been breaking out, but the frustration, that sentiment that's associated with it, they feel it too.
0: No question. You can feel it from coast to coast. Daryl Bricker, thanks very much for joining us this Saturday morning. Always a pleasure to have you with us and very important information today. Much appreciated.
2: Thanks a lot, Strong
0: It's a pleasure to welcome Terry Glavin to the program. Now, Terry addressed the notion of frustration in a column, uh, which we picked up here in the Vancouver Sun a couple of days ago. The heading was, Trudeau and Carney are only making this worse. Everyone needs to calm down. Terry Glavin, well said. Good morning. Welcome back. Hi. Good talk to you. Terry, tell us a little bit more about the column. Uh, you, you, you talk about, uh, and the subheader. Opinion. Quite a few of Canada's journalists would benefit from chilling out and focusing on doing their jobs. You uh, indicate in the column the media is not helping in many instances.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a, something I've been paying attention to for quite some time. It's, uh, you can dress it up in fancy language, as a lot of people have we're living through a kind of a crisis of epistemology, which is to say that we're failing to make a distinction between what we know and what we believe. Right. And our assertion of of, of, of truth claims is, in you know, less and less based on objective fact, on fact-checking, on uh, peer review, on uh, experimentation, replication, falsification— and we're just sort of going with our gut and also feeding into narratives. and what and I don't want to be mean to my colleagues in the media about this. A lot of this has got to do with the fact that you know we've lost something like four hundred and fifty news organizations in Canada over the last uh, fifteen years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, newsrooms are closing everywhere. And, and, you know, this sort of decline in trust in the media is it's hard to say which is the cause and which is the effect. right? Right. And the interesting thing about that Bricker poll that you just mentioned is that there was a Leger poll uh, only a a week or so ago um, that showed that something like 40 percent of Canadians have some some, uh, vaccinated Canadians. Have sympathies with the uh, the protesters. Well, it looks like it's hovering close to fifty percent now. <laughs> right, that's right. And my, the the only point I was I was trying to make in in my my column was we really do need to calm down a little bit. You know, it's all very exciting and dramatic to dress this up as some sort of insurrection and seditionist attempt to you know foreign inspired attempt to overthrow the government. This is the Trailer Park Boys, basically um, in real life and i and i and i i like the trailer park boys just fine <laughs> but i think we have to draw a real distinction between some of the creepier elements of the so-called leadership of this thing and you know a lot of these guys are just simply really really mad and right. a lot of them just want to have a good party with people that they like you know mm-hmm. well and then of course there was the the
0: the symbolism that was seized upon there was a confederate flag there were a couple of canadian flags defaced with swastikas and so on that the truckers as i understand it pretty much dealt with internally but nonetheless those were the pictures we continued to see and see and see regardless of how how actual how representative they were of the moment
3: yeah, you know, I don't want to be uh I don't want to be too cynical about this, but there is a school of thought that uh the reason the protests went on so long in Ottawa when the federal government, you know, which has policing authority over the entire parliamentary precinct, uh the Ottawa police, uh the the Ottawa mayor, uh the Ottawa the chair of the Ottawa police board, right. you know, they were going on and on about uh, insurrection and sedition mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, why don't you just enforce the damn law? This is something I don't understand. And conflating the illegality with the protest itself, which Trudeau continues to do, and he did today, is not helping at all because people immediately get up on their hind legs and say, wait a minute, I have a charter right to protest, which is right. true.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, you know, I mean, this is the thing that I, that, that I, I, I should say it's at the very, the very least perplexing. How it came to pass, that, you know, a few hundred guys with, with, with trucks honking their horns managed to paralyze this capital city of this country for days on end when all it would have taken was a couple of cops to say, look, we're not just going to, we don't need 2,000 extra police to come in and hand out parking tickets. Mm-hmm. If you're disturbing the peace, if you're blocking traffic, if you're setting open fires in downtown Ottawa, you're going to stop it. You're going to stop it right now, or the handcuffs come out. Simple. Protest to your heart's content, but you can't break the law. Yeah, And, I, you know, that wasn't done. And and you can be sure that the liberals love this. They could, Great. We can smear the conservatives. You know, they're all a bunch of, you know, they're all consorting promiscuously with Klansmen and Nazis and all this right. sort of thing. And it's all very dramatic. But at some point, I think you just need to, you know, calm the hell down and enforce the law. And I see that's happening on the ambassador bridge this morning. That's
0: Finally. correct. Now, uh, Terry, the other, the other part of that though, in, in terms of enforcing the law, it was many of us, I, I, I think probably millions of us were stunned that it took a 21 year old Ottawa woman to go to court exactly. to get an injunction, to stop the horn, the horn blowing and, and other uh, invasive behaviors and so on. Why on day one, Were the authorities not in court looking for that sort of uh, protection or enforcement muscle that an injunction can deliver, that only an injunction could deliver? Why did we wait an extra week and for some kid to finally come forward and do it for them?
3: Well, you know, there's been a lot of really good investigative journalism. Well, that's not true. There's been a little bit of very good investigative journalism. Uh, About the leaders of the protest, and some of them are really unseemly. Let's face it. I mean, I don't even know if they're leaders of the protest, right? But these the strange cast of characters that got involved in this from the very beginning. But there's been very, very little journalism that's uh, targeted at answering that question that you raised. I mean, what the hell? (laughs) What? Why was the? Why indeed? Why did it come to a private citizen who had to go and? seek a court injunction again. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm fine with mandates. I'm fine with masks. I'm fine with the passport. You know, I mean, it's a real inconvenience. There are a lot of people, my daughter's a musician. Uh, you know, she hasn't been able to do any concerts and performances for God knows how long I was sure, really yeah. hell on earth Right. for a lot of people. But uh, you know, there does come a point, I think, where we really just have to sort of calm down a little bit, stop trying to make political hay out of this, let people protest, doesn't matter if you don't agree with them, let them protest to their heart's content, and, uh, but if they break the law, you know, there does come a point where you're going to have to say, sorry, lads, but you're going to go face down, in handcuffs, back of my police cruiser, to the Crowbar mm. Hotel if you, if you keep breaking the law right right i don't know what i don't know why we need the emergency what is that we need the emergency powers act for this
0: well whether we need it or not apparently ontario has it this morning terry and and with that perhaps in their back pocket might explain why they're being considerably more aggressive at the ambassador bridge today than they have been in ottawa for the last what 15 20 days
3: yeah yeah it's uh and that's federal jurisdiction exclusively which is odd i don't know you know, there's been a lot of buck passing in this. You know, the federal government says well, we can't do anything because it's yep. the municipality. And the municipality says, well, we need another 2,000 police and Doug Ford isn't being nice to us. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, this has been a tremendous embarrassment for this country. I mean, we've been completely seized of this for days and days and days on end. Meanwhile, the the earth keeps turning. That's right. The world keeps rotating around the sun. The Russians are about to invade Ukraine. Um, You know, uh, we really need to sort of stop being such ninnies about all of this and uh, get over ourselves.
0: Good points. Terry, well said, too. Great to have you back on the show, sir. We, we do appreciate you. We, uh, the few moments you take for being on the radio when you join us. Uh, excellent. column, and keep up the good work, Terry. Much appreciated. Okay, take care, Sterling. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen to us live six to nine weekend mornings. I'm Sterling Fox. Have a great week.